Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Free Thinking with Montel. And I'm so excited to have the guests that we have on today. But before I introduce them, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in a nation. You know, we hear every single day, I think everyone out there listens to the news and you're getting so inundated with so many stories about a pandemic that's viral, that's driving everyone crazy because you're trying to figure out whether or not you can get the vaccine or you can't get the vaccine or you're eligible for the vaccine. You know, what do I got to do to make sure I don't get the virus? And some of those say, oh, the virus is nothing more than a fabrication and a lie. And there are those out there who say, I don't care if I get the virus. Let me get it because I'm supposed to get it. There's so many different thoughts going on right now that we're living in a time where I don't think people understand that even if we do get this pandemic under some sort of control in the next year to two, we're facing another pandemic that a lot of people aren't willing to talk about. And that's a pandemic of mental health issues in our country that are being caused by social isolation, being caused by nervousness and fear of, of, of being around other people and being caused by you know all of the issues that have spiraled out of just this virus. I mean, people are facing some of the toughest economic times we've faced in the last 30 years in this nation. People are facing some of the toughest times when it comes to jobs. And of course, if you lose your job, a lot of people are losing health care. So therefore, people are losing the ability to reach out to a doctor to see if they can get help. And though every once in a blue moon, you may hear a pundit on television say, well, I think we're going to be looking ahead at you know a period of time where America is going to be going through a mental health crisis, those voices are too far and few between. I think America and the world needs to stop for a second and recognize the fact that this pandemic is causing and taking tremendous tolls on so many people who are right on the borderline anyway with mental health issues, but now those issues are manifesting themselves in a myriad of different ways. And how do we cope? How do we deal? How do we at least even get an understanding of where we can turn to, to see if we can get some help? And that's why I'm so excited to have our guest on today. Our guest today is a renowned psychiatrist, adjunct clinical professor emeritus of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford, award-winning researcher, and author of the incredibly successful books, Feeling Good and Feeling Great, which have helped millions of people around the world suffering from anxiety and depression. It has helped these people experience joy, some of them for the first time in many, many years. He's done 40 years of research and has completed over 40,000 hours of treating individuals with severe mood problems. 50,000 American and Canadian mental health professionals have attended his training programs. He is a pioneer in developing you know, a cognitive therapy and is the founder and creator of something called TEAM. And... Team is a cognitive behavioral therapy that he has actually put together that makes rapid recovery from depression and anxiety possible. Dr. David Burns, thank you so much for being a part of Free Thinking with Montel today, sir. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. I've, as I mentioned to you, I've, I've been, I'm a longtime fan, and I thought your opening words were fantastic. No, thank you so much, sir. I think, you know, that's the one thing that I think we really have to pay attention to. Everybody's thinking that whew, now that we have a vaccine, we're, we're out of the, the rough spot. No, we aren't. 
And as a matter of fact, you know, the vaccine is causing more anxiety and depression than I think COVID was because now people are frustrated with the fact that, you know, like I, I, I this morning, I'll tell you, I'm 64 and a half years old. I suffer from a pre-existing condition and I'm trying my best right now in the state that I live in to see if I can get the vaccine. Well, I'm going to tell you, I and my wife have been on the phone collectively for no less than 16 hours in the last three or four days. Horrible. Calling centers here, centers there, hospitals here, hospitals there. And every one of them has a different answer as to whether or not I can come stand in line. I can't stand in line. No one thinks you can't get an appointment. Yes, you can get an appointment, but you can only get an appointment if you have a primary care doctor in this area. And, you know, we're only taking people 75 years and older. I, I talked to Mount Sinai this morning and, you know, their message says we're only giving appointments to people who are 75 and older when we heard last week that people 65 and older could get an appointment. So, you know, I mean, I'm not letting it frustrate me, but I do understand how so many are so frustrated right now with the process and that process is going to cause anxiety and depression among many people who don't need to be depressed. Over yeah, and, frustra- and frustration and anger too. Absolutely. Yeah, the you're you're right. The even before all the vaccine thing came out, and and all the incredible political turmoil we've had, you know, today and in the last uh, weeks, uh, the depression and anxiety, which have always been high in, in the United States have, as you know, my own research, I did a survey on how people felt before and since the pandemic, a lot of other people have done huge surveys that depression and anxiety have doubled. And my students and colleagues say that they're they're really overwhelmed in their clinical practice by the tremendous demand and need for for support. There's, there's tremendous suffering. Depression is one of the worst forms of, of human human suffering and so many people can't afford treatment or they can afford treatment but they can't get treatment that works that that, that that's effective and uh, so you're absolutely right there's a tremendous need out there my goal throughout my entire career has been to to try to bring relief and recovery to people inexpensively and and and, and quickly and I think the good news is that you can change the way you feel uh, often quickly and often, you know, without having to, to go to a mental health professional or, or, or take pills. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you, you nailed it right there when you said or take pills, because you know, I think a lot of people feel that, the, you know, when you look and you watch some of the, the offerings on television and you look at some of our entertaining shows, you know, they address depression as if it's just something to get another pill for. Yeah, um, watching a, a very popular Netflix series over the last couple of days, and you know the reoccurring theme throughout the series has been, in some ways, some form of post-traumatic stress syndrome that has affected almost every character in this storyline. But every oh. character in the storyline is treating it with some form of a pill that you know, and of course they are you know, um, um, abusing those pills and they're using it along with alcohol and they're, you know, continuing their aberrant behavior. So they really don't have any success whatsoever, but we consider this entertainment right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the idea that their depression results from a chemical imbalance, we did uh, research on that theory uh, way back in the mid 1970s that uh, when I was at the Penn medical school 
and published in the top psychiatric journal, the Archives of General Psychiatry, uh, our research that showed that this uh, chemical imbalance theory of depression is not valid. And, and the medications called antidepressants, the, the latest research, I, maybe I shouldn't say this because it might mm -hmm. anger or, or upset some people, but the, the chemicals that are called antidepressants, when you look at them in head-to-head -head studies with placebos, that the, the data the drug companies have sent to the Food and Drug Administration, they really don't outperform placebos in any, to any significant degree. And that's why I left my, my career. I was a full-time psychopharmacologist. I've prescribed antidepressants on 13,000 occasions, uh, not because I pushed them, because I never saw much from them. But if somebody asked for them, I thought, well, I could be sued if I don't prescribe it. But uh, I, I've never seen much much from them. And, and after my residency, I did three years of research on, on depression, and I gave out these pills by the bucketful, and I saw rarely anyone recover, And I, or, or maybe they'd get a little better, maybe they'd get a little worse. And I wanted to see patients go from despair to joy so they could wake up in the morning and say, it's great to be alive. And that's why I'm so excited by the, the techniques we developed at Penn, which we called cognitive therapy. When, when we developed that, it was unknown. There were only about a dozen of us in, in, in the world who were using this new approach based on changing the way you think. And people thought we were quacks. Uh, now cognitive therapy has become the most popular form of psychotherapy and the most researched in, in, in the world. And now in my work at Stanford, we have uh, new techniques that are even more powerful than the cognitive therapy techniques we created in the 1970s and, and early 1980s. And the, the message is now that people can recover really quickly from depression and anxiety in spite of the circumstances of your life, whether, whether there's an epidemic or political or you have health, health problems, you can, when you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel. Well, you know, let, let's, let's slow down for just a second and let's, let's, let's maybe let's discuss what is both depression and anxiety because I think one of the things that's, that's happened in our society, Western society, the United States of America, you know, when we, and I'm so sorry if I say this, and please, you don't have to agree and even acknowledge my comment, but, you know, in the last 20 years in our society, we've become a society that's been a slave to the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, I agree. Do that. And a slave to the pharmaceutical industry because we feel like no matter what happens in life, there is a pill for it. And if yeah. there isn't a pill for it, then they go out and try to create a pill for it, even if they know that the pill isn't going to work. I mean, so you take a look at, at our journey you know, down the path of opioids for pain relief. And we know for a fact that the original information yeah. that was done on pain on opioids for pain relief only and only intimated that opioids worked in the first 24 to 48 hours to possibly, you know, 72 hours. It worked at that point in time, especially in high doses, to completely separate the brain from the trauma. But after that, there's no research that validly discuss opioids for pain relief. And we also, you know, look at the fact that, I mean, we, we, we consider anything and everything that is human nature a malady. Yeah, right. The idea of depression, you know, we are human beings. What separates us from all the rest of the animals on the planet is that we emotionally respond to the situation that we are in. 
And we have the ability, we know for a fact, to affect that emotional response to the situation we're in. So depression, as we call it, is a period of feeling low and malaise because of, let's say, something exterior or something that's happened. And it's a normal response. I mean, you have a family member die. It's normal to respond by feeling bad. Um, you lose your job. It's normal to respond or by feeling bad. It's the idea of if that feeling bad lasts for longer periods of time that create depression. Is that right, right? I love what you're saying and, and what the American Psychiatric Association has, has done, and, and I am a, a psychiatrist, a physician, so I'm not kind of like trying to throw stones from, from the outside. Uh, and, and there are many dedicated and, uh, you know, just wonderful mental health professionals, psychiatrists and psychologists. But if you pick up the DSM, I have it right up here in my cupboard, this hundreds of pages, anything that you feel has been turned into a brain disorder. And so uh, in my workshops for mental health professionals, I often say, how, how many of you uh, sometimes get, get anxious in social situations? You have public speaking anxiety. I used to have myself intense social anxiety. And, and so if you pick up the DSM, well, your problem isn't that you're shy or you, you're insecure about public speaking, but you have something called social anxiety disorder. And so it's been turned into a brain, brain disorder. And then, that, then you can treat that with a pill. And, and, and then in, in my part of the country here, uh, if, 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 if a young man or woman graduating from their psychiatric residency buys this biological psychiatry model, which is what I started out in, you can see people for maybe 10 minutes for a psychopharmacology follow-up visit and charge $200 from the insurance company. And so if you do five or eight of those in an hour, you can be making a thousand, two thousand dollars an hour. That's a tremendous incentive to, to buy into this model. And I would have gladly stuck with it, except it wasn't working. I, I wanted to see my patients get cured completely and, and rapidly. And, uh, and also the other thing you said is, is true of benzodiazepines as, as well as pain, painkillers, these for anxiety like Xanax and Valium. The, the, they're they're magical for a few days if you have anxiety, but if you take them, you know, several times a day as prescribed, uh, within three weeks you'll if you try to get on them off them you'll go into withdrawal, and that's intense anxiety and insomnia. The very reason you took them in the first place, and and then your doctor and the patient will wrongly conclude, oh, you have to keep ta taking these these things. And really sad because, you know, when I work with people with severe depression or severe anxiety disorders, 90% of them recover in one session. It has to be a two-hour session, but they go from severe suffering, often for decades, to complete recovery. But people don't know that this is possible because of what you said. The drug companies have so many billions of dollars that they're making and then they can flood the airways with ads that, oh, 
do you have social anxiety? You know, you have trouble getting along with people. Oh, you have a, a, a social anxiety disorder. Take this pill and then show a, a couple rolling around on the beach and making, kissing each other. And you'll have joy if you take these pills and people buy in, into it. But the, the, the good news, uh, and that's why I write the books that I do is to put the tools in the hands of the general public to, that you can change the way you feel using fairly simple and uh, and, and powerful te techniques, uh, and and people just don't know that this is that this is possible. There was a research on my first book, Feeling Good, uh, a lot of controlled outcome studies with grants from National Institute of Mental Health. I, I, I wasn't a part of it because the author should never, you should never do research on things you've created. You should let independent people do that. But uh, there were about 10 published studies. Uh, what happens if you give a depressed person a copy of my book, first book, Feeling Good, and, and no, nothing else for four weeks? They come to the medical center and they said, oh, you can't see your doctor for four weeks, but in the meanwhile, read this book, uh, Feeling Good. And and then they did research on those people. What happens to them in, the, in those four weeks? And they've reported that 50 to 65% of them are recovered and no longer want or need treatment. And that's that's fantastic because antidepressants don't do, do that, have, have that good a record. Most human therapists can't, can't do, do that well. Uh, but but that that's exciting, and then I'm I'm hopeful that the that the new book will try to beat that record. The the reason I wrote the new book was say, well, how about the half of people read feeling good who didn't recover? Why didn't they? Right. And I think research showed why what the problem was, and then we've developed new techniques to take to to help with that. I mean that just a, a broad a broad overview. But uh, my my calling is to to try to get help to as many people as possible. And feeling good is now it's gone all over the world. It's been translated into into thirty thirty languages. And uh, I'm just babbling, so I'll shut up and listen to you. No, no, no. I mean, I, it's wonderful. I think you know if you could for those who are tuning in, explain when a person should think that they are. They need to even go get your book. I yeah, mean, again, between depression and just a momentary. Yeah, well, so, and and also anxiety. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. the The idea of depression is if you're first of all you're feeling kind of down and unhappy, and a lot of people think, oh, that's just because of the way the world is. That's just because of how my life is. Uh, but but that's actually you know a big symptom of depression. But but secondly, there's a loss of self-esteem, and there's people right now listening to the show who who think uh, I'm not as good as I should be, I'm not smart enough to be worthwhile, I, I'm not successful enough, I'm I'm inferior, I, I'm I'm worthless. I, I talked to a young man who had a pretty brutal upbringing the first 20 years of his life, horrific horrific abuse. And uh, now, even 20 years later, uh, he's still telling himself, I, I'm defective. Uh, I'm not a real man because I'm not earning enough, uh, enough money. It's all this uh, self-criticism. And then uh, another aspect of it, the worst aspect of, of depression is it's, it's a delusion, but it doesn't seem that way to people who are depressed. It's the idea that you're hopeless. 
that things will never change. I, I really am a worthless person. My problems are, are, in, are insoluble. Those are the key symptoms of, dep of depression. And then there's a loss of motivation. You may procrastinate all the time. You don't enjoy things uh, as, as much. Anxiety is a little bit different from depression. Anxiety is something terrible is, is going to uh, ha happen to me. Uh, you, you may have phobias. Like I wrote a book on anxiety called When Panic Attacks. And when I wrote it, I realized I've had 11 so-called anxiety disorders myself. And then after it was published, the first six months, I remembered six more anxiety disorders that I've had. So whatever patient has, I, I could say, oh, I've had that too. And I know how much that sucks. And I can show you how to overcome that really fast. But I, you know, I've had... I, I couldn't have done this uh, years ago. I, I, I had a camera phobia. I could. I can smile now. Hey, hi, Montel. It's great to be on on the show. But, but that, that you're afraid of something, uh, like something uh, terrible is, is going to happen. When I give my talk, my mind will go blank. Or I know if I get on that airplane, it'll run into turbulence and crash. It's you're telling yourself you're in danger. Something awful is, is going to happen. And you can have, you know, general worrying, like you worry all the time about your, your family, your, your career. You can have phobias. Like I had fear of, I had the fear of dogs, horses, blood, heights. I had a fear of vomiting. <laughs> And all kinds of, of things, or you can have obsessive compulsive uh, symptoms where you're washing your hands 50 times a day, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, as that, that you recently mentioned, uh, you know, something horrible happened, or maybe many things horrible have happened to, to, to you. And uh, but, but the good news is both, you know, if you're listening to the show, you have these kind of symptoms. You, you can recover completely and 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 rapidly and and without medications and many times without needing professional uh, professional therapy. You know, I wrote a book that was called "Living Well with Montel, Living Well Emotionally," where you know I did some research on the Lubomirsky study that showed that you know we are as in control of our entire level of happiness as we think we're out of control. Yeah, that's right. Because as as often as so many of us can talk ourselves down into a spiral of an abyss, we yep. need to stop for a minute and recognize that we can talk ourselves right back out of that abyss if we look to positive things and you just set your mind at thinking positively. Well, and that's it, cognitive therapy. That's right. You're talking about. And that's absolutely absolutely true. But a lot of people don't get it. It goes back, you as you, you probably know or may know, it's not new. It goes back to the time of the Greek philosopher Epictetus, uh, who said 2,000 years ago, he, as humans, we're not disturbed by things, by, by events, but by our thoughts about them, what right. the messages we, we give ourselves. But people don't realize that we're creating, even now listening to the show, you listeners are creating your own emotional reality at, at every moment of every day. Like just, just for example, some of you may be watching this and saying, oh boy, that burns. He sounds like an ass. He sounds like a con artist. How could people recover in a single two-hour therapy session from decades of depression? That, that couldn't be true. 
So they're think, feeling annoyed or frustrated or, or skeptical or mistrustful. Others may be hearing the show and say, wow, that Montel is, is, is a really a, a, a beautiful, cool person. And his guest, Dr. Burns, sounds like he's got some really important information that could change my life. And so people like that, they're feeling kind of happy and excited. Now, the event is the same. Everyone's seeing the same picture. Everyone's hearing the same words. But your emotions result in, entirely fr from your thoughts. And when you're depressed or anxious, you're going to be giving yourself a lot of negative messages. And those messages are the cause of, of, of your depression and anxiety. And when you learn how to change the way you think and smash those thoughts, you can change the way you feel. Absolutely. Which is what your book was about, right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Doctor, let me do this. So I'm going to take a little break to pay some bills. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about you know, the new approach to psychotherapy that you've come up with, which is called TEAM, which stands for Testing, Empathy, Assessment of Resistance, and Methods. Let's talk a little bit about that. And let's talk about some of the examples that you, you've shared with us about, you know, people that you've known who've gone through depression, but they've been able to, you know, get themselves out of it. Let's talk about that and see if we can share that with our-, our, our Super. And, you know, you guys have been tuned in right now to Free Thinking, where we're featuring Dr. David Burns, who's probably one of the world's most authorities, you know, top authorities on the idea of depression and anxiety and how we can deal with that and cope with that. And it's such a perfect time for this. So thank you so much, David, for being a part of this. And we take a break, pay some bills. We'll be back right after this. Hey guys, Montel here, and again, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Free Thinking, where we're featuring Dr. David Burns, who is a psychiatrist and adjunct clinical professor, emeritus of psychiatry and behavioral science at Stanford, an award-winning researcher and author of many incredible books, but incredibly successful books called Feeling Good and Feeling Great, that's helped millions of people around the world who suffer from anxiety and depression experience joy finally in their lives. This guy knows what he's talking about, folks. He has treated probably 40,000 hours worth of treatment for individuals around the world who suffer from severe mood, mood problems. And, you know, Dr. Burns, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. My pleasure. It's an honor. An honor for me, too. I, I really think that, you know, in some ways I would love to, you know, once we get done this podcast, I'm going to throw a little idea out at you. I can throw it out at you right now in front of the public. But, you know, we, we have all these commercials on the air right now for talk therapy where people say, call into this number and, you know, uh, we'll give you an hour's worth of therapy. And we don't know what the price tag is on that yet, but we'll give you an hour worth of therapy. But I would love that. I mean, there, there's no reason why there isn't a program out there with a person like you starting my day. I remember, let's go back to, you know, the 50s and the 60s or the 60s, early 60s, where you know you woke up every morning to Jack Lane for a half hour. I think that America would would do well by waking up to you every day for a half hour. Thank even, you. I'm, even I'm, if we made the same tools every single day, you know. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm uh, working to create something like that with uh, a couple young uh, colleagues uh, with skill in in computer programming. I've I've wanted. See when I when the research came out showing that just reading my book feeling good could cure fifty percent of people in four weeks with severe depression, I thought, boy, if I could do something electronic, I think I could easily out out outperform that. And for forty years, I've been wanting to get somebody to help me to to create an app. And now I have some young colleagues, and we're working on a feeling great app. That that and we're just doing beta testing and we're. 
just just developing it now. But the the early data that we have, just from beta tests with small groups of people, uh, indicates it it looks like it probably will be more effective than a human therapist. The, the the problem is that most human therapists, people call and they get, oh, you can call in and call these therapists, these helpers. Well, how good, how good are they? You know, I've trained so many mental health professionals and, and we measure effectiveness now. And, and sadly, I think most mental health professionals don't have that high a success rate in, in helping people. And we and, think that I'm, I'm going to say this not did not come out of your mouth. It's coming out of my mouth. So I want to make sure everybody listening right now knows that we're a free thinker with Montel and Montel gets to say things every now and then. But I'm going to say this. It's like I'm not saying that the objective is to continue to keep the patient on. But, you know, let, let's think about this. I mean, you know, I, I remember there was a period of time when I first got diagnosed with MS that I spiraled into a depression. Oh, wow. But then, but then I realized that my spiral into that depression and my consistently talking about my depression got a lot of people to come over and go, oh, Montel. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. So I was getting the reaction that I wanted just by being able to say, I'm depressed. Was I really as depressed as I thought I was? Well, on the surface at the moment, I guess, yeah, I think I was, but I really wasn't. I now look back at it and know I was not. I was living down to other people's expectations because they said, you're depressed. So I better live down to that so I can get that drug or I can live down to that so I can get that attention. I can live down to that so people would feel sorry for me. And then, of course, it was answering one of the things that I needed at that time. It wasn't until I started working at writing a book and working at understanding that, you know, I started with a little, little, uh, Moniker, oh, man, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, you know, I, I would say to myself, now that it's over, what did I do today that's worth talking about tomorrow? And I'd write down little three little things before I went to sleep. And then when I woke up in the morning, I'd read those things, knowing that I'm starting my day off with a success. Beautiful. With successes. Every single day I get up to success. I don't have to get up and go, oh, woe is me. My day is going to be depressed. Hell no. I wake up every morning and say, you know what? Even though I thought I was depressed, I still accomplished this yesterday and I'm going to accomplish something today. People don't understand that we have that power right. over ourselves, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I loved what you said about uh, maybe therapists are rewarded by having long-term patients. Uh, the, you know, what I teach is a very high-speed form of treatment. And one of my... Uh, fellows that I supervised when he was a resident at Stanford, Matt May, and he, he was a tremendous person to work with. And now he's a local uh, therapist here in, in, the, in the Bay Area. Um, but uh, he asked if he could hike with me one, one day a couple years back. And I, I, I take my students on hikes. I do uh, treat them uh, on hikes, uh, help them get over their insecurities. But he was practically in tears. And he says, David, I'm really having financial problems. And I said, well, what, what, what's, what's wrong? And, and he says, well, when I, what, when I treat people using these new techniques that I've learned, almost all of them complete therapy in three or four sessions. And, and so I can't keep my practice full. 
and I'm, you know, slipping behind and paying, paying my bills. And I said, well, listen, Matt, I think you're one of the greatest therapists in the world. Let's just spread the word. And within a few weeks, he was flooded with referrals and he's doing fine. But there is a conflict of interest because, you know, the kind of therapy I learned as a psychiatric resident, the patient comes and talks to you and cries and gets angry. And that goes on indefinitely. You never measured, we never measured anything. We never measured how depressed people were or how quick they were changing. And there were no methods to, to help people change, change the way that they feel. And I just said, I, I don't want to spend my life with that. But what I like is when people get better. So I, I treat, still treat a lot of people. I'm no longer in private practice, but I treat people, everyone for free. And almost everyone I see, they recover in, in one session. And so the reward for me is seeing joy, see, seeing yeah. people, you know, transform their, their lives. Uh, but maybe we should talk about how, how these new techniques work or, or something. Let's talk a little bit about it. Let's talk a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy and how does it work. Talk about it. Well, it's, it's, it's based on the idea that depression and anxiety are actually the world's oldest cons that the messages you give yourself, like I'm a loser, I'm no good, I'm hopeless. When I give my talk at work, I'll blow it and everyone is gonna look down on me, everyone's gonna judge me. That those thoughts contain 10 thinking errors. Uh, I, I call them cognitive distortions, which is probably too many big words, but cognitive is a thought and distortion means it's twisted. And so, you, you t for example, a young woman came to me recently. Her boyfriend had broken up with her. They'd, got, they'd been living together for two years and didn't work up out. They broke up, and then she had the thought, I'm unlovable. That's a, that's a typical thought of someone who's depressed. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm unlovable. But that thought is like an overgeneralization. That's one of the 10 thinking errors. You, you go from a negative event to yourself. You see, instead of saying, we broke up, what can I learn from this? She's saying, I'm unlovable. Like I have a broken, defective, bad self and I'll be alone forever. No, no one will ever love me. It's also an example of all or nothing thinking, black or white thinking. If you're, if you're not a total success, you're a complete failure. And all or nothing thinking often triggers uh, perfectionism and, and, and a lot of self self-criticism uh their self self-blame is another one of the thinking errors a, a a young woman came to me early in my career she was a physician a beautiful young woman and one of the top pediatricians in in a major metropolitan area but her brother had been to vietnam and got addicted to heroin and was severely depressed and and, and she took it on herself to save him to, to help him and then one day he, he, he called and said, what's the effect of carbon monoxide on the blood? And he was, she had gotten him into a pulmonary respiratory technician class. He said, I, I need to give this for a class, a, a talk I have to give in class. So she told him and got him off the line. And she was preparing a talk to give at her hospital. And he pulled her car, his car up under her window, apartment window, and she didn't notice and he put a, a, a uh, hose from the exhaust pipe into the car and tur turned on the car and, and killed himself. And, and she was called from her own hospital to come, you know, and identify him. And it was just horrible. And then 
she came to me with unbelievably severe depression and said, and her thought was, it's my fault mm. that he died. And so I too deserve to die. And, and, and she was actively uh, suicidal too at, at the time, but that's like self-blame. And it's also kind of something called fortune telling where she was kind of expecting herself to know on that day that he was going to commit commit suicide uh, and there's uh, you know like you were involved in like mental filter and discounting the positive like you filter on all the the negatives in your life and you discount the beautiful awesome things you do and then when you did that exercise you started focusing on the positive and, and giving yourself cr credit uh, but uh, oh there's fortune telling uh, like I'll never get better. That's an example of the fortune telling error. Uh, the uh, there, there's mind mind reading. That that's when you think you know how people are thinking about you. So people are socially anxious. They do mind reading. Oh oh, nobody at this party is anxious. They can all see how anxious I am. No one would be be interested in me. There's nothing special about me. And and and, and again, the idea is those distorted thoughts. It's not reality that causes depression and anxiety. It's these twisted interpretations. And then the good news is the very moment you crush those thoughts, your your feelings will will instantly change. And that was what was in... Just let me jump in for a second. When you said yeah. that you crush those thoughts, the people at home right now watching this need to understand that just as easy as you can sit here and have this conversation right this second, right now, while you're looking at the screen, you can just shut up for a second. Shut your mind up. Shut it up. Look at the two of us, you know, look at the doctor and Montel for a second. And then I'm going to say, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath in. Hold it in. Count to three. Let it out. Take it in again. Let it out. Now, forget about all those thoughts that you had 12 seconds ago and think about one of the most beautiful moments in your life. You know, for me, it's walking across that stage when I got my diploma from the Naval Academy and knew I was going to throw my hat in the head. Another one is thinking about, you know, the day that I married my wife right now. I think about that day and I think about how beautiful she was and I think about the big smile that was on my face. That's all I got to think about. Think about that right now. Now, instead of me spiraling myself down into an abyss, I'm going to hover right here in this good spot. And anybody who's watching can do that at any second of their day, right? Awesome. Yes, we have a lot more power than we think to change the way we think and feel. Uh, and in relationships, uh, we have a lot more power than we think to convert a troubled relationship into a loving one as, as, as well. Uh, but people don't know, know this, and uh, uh, but, but there are many, many tools that my colleagues have created that I've created to help people change these thinking patterns. What you just said would be a beautiful example of like a visual imaging technique, which can be very helpful for, for many people. And I've developed over a hundred techniques like that because everyone is, is a little bit individual. A woman came to me with 10 years of panic attacks and horrifically severe depression. She'd, she'd go, go to emergency room. She'd, Five times a week, she'd hyperventilate, <laughs> and then she'd think her chest would get tight. She, she, you know, when you hyperventilate, you you get like 
tingling in, in your skin and, and different sensations, and then she'd think, oh, I'm about to die, she'd have a panic attack. She'd had massive medication treatment that didn't work. She'd had psychotherapy that didn't work. But the idea behind what we call cognitive therapy is what you're telling yourself. You're fooling, you're fooling yourself. And the technique that was helpful for her was uh, after three or four sessions of using kind of gentle techniques, I, I, I said, next session, I want to induce a panic attack right in the office. And we can do an experiment to test this belief that you're on the verge of death. This terrified her, but she agreed to do it. So I induced a panic attack at the start of the session. She was sobbing. I have a little video of this actually, uh, which is amazing to look at. Uh, and she started crying, say, Dr. Burns, please, I'm, a, I'm about to die. And, and to make a long story short, I said, if you were about to die, could you stand up right now and do strenuous aerobic exercises? She says, oh, no, no, if I stand up, I'm going to pass out. I know it. And I said, well, let's stand up. Let's let's see what happens. She stood up and I knew she couldn't pass out because her heart is racing fast. She's getting all this blood up to her brain. And then I said, now let, let's do some aerobic exercises. So she starts out real slow. You know, oh, please, Dr. Burns, I'm about to die. I can't breathe deeply enough. And I said, well, speed up then. And then she sped up a little and then she says, oh, I can't go on. I said, well, do some jumping jacks. So she starts doing jumping jacks. And then she said, I wonder if I could do this if I was having a heart attack. And I said, is this what you see in the emergency rooms of hospitals? Patients with massive heart attacks standing next to their gurneys doing jumping jacks. And in that moment, she realized her thought was false, that she'd been giving herself this message for 10 years, and she double, doubled over laughing, laughter. You could see her in a moment go from tears and panic to re relief, and that ended 10 years of suffering. That, that episode, that, vid that video I have of that is, is like five and a half minutes, and you can see uh, the change in her life. Now, that was 1988, and I've had to call her every year or two to say, can I keep showing this video in conferences? And she says, I'm just tell people I'm still on a high, God bless you. I hope everyone in America sees that video. But the idea is not that exercise helps depression and panic attacks, but that you're giving yourself wrong messages, telling yourself things that aren't true. And the moment you realize that in that very instant, your feelings can change. Now, everyone's different. So Different people need different techniques, but that's what, what can happen. And, and that gives me so much joy myself when I see someone else recover. It just blows my mind. And now we have so many of these fast acting techniques. You know, I just sit down with someone, I treat them, they recover. I see someone else, they recover. It's like going on highs all the time. And, you know, what I find that's amazing is the fact that, and I'm, I, again, I'm not saying that, you know, other psychiatrists are chasing the dollar, but even if you were chasing the dollar by curing, and we have probably 30, 40, 50 million people in this country who are suffering today. Yeah. Not, it isn't like, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. We're talking millions, yeah. tens of millions of people. Yeah. There aren't enough psychiatrists in the country to see the number of people who are suffering. So there's yeah. yeah. the anxiety on the part of the doctor or psychiatrist in feeling like I'm going to lose my practice because I won't have enough patients. If you cured patients and then those patients are your testimonial, 
your practice would be so busy. You'd oh, be yeah. In, in the vaccine center, right? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that, that's right. And uh, on my website, feelinggood.com, I have tons of free resources for people because I know people can't afford uh, therapy, most people, especially these days. And even if you can afford it, it, you might not be able to get someone who can help you. So I I have like a free uh, depression class for people. I've got a free anxiety class. I I do the Feeling Good podcast every week. uh, And and people write to me and say, oh, I took your class. It cured me. I listened to the podcast. It it, it cured me because we've got to get a different way of of delivering help to people. The, The current system... Uh, it, it needs a lot of changing to, to my way of thinking. Absolutely. Well, give out the website real quick. Give out those websites. It's, it's just feelinggood.com. It's just the name of my first book. Uh, you know, Feeling Good has two Gs in it, feelinggood.com. And then there's tons of tons of stuff there, and it's all free. Gotcha. I want people to make sure they go up on that website. And I don't want to, I'm going to run out of time here, you know, but before I do, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some advice maybe you have right now for people who are living through this COVID-19 pandemic. The whole world is and are anxious and they're struggling because of the lockdown. What's some advice that you can give people right now? Well, uh, just a real quick thing is that it's natural to feel some some anxiety. And I felt so bad about you, the, the vaccine deal with you. I, ho- I would think you'd be at the top of of the priority list. And I, I hope ho- I hope you get it soon. But it's natural to have some healthy concerns. But if you're feeling really anxious and really depressed, that's due to these distorted thoughts that you can change so so quickly. And one thing I've on, I do on my Feeling Good podcast, I treat people live so people can hear and know what I say is the truth. They can see people being cured in a, in a, in a two-hour session. I'll break it into two podcasts. And, and I also have a special section called the Corona Casts, where I treat people who have Corona-related depression and anxiety. And you see the same thing. You see them going from intense anxiety, intense despair, sobbing, fear, depression, to, to joy by, by changing these, these distorted uh, th- thinking p- patterns. And uh, you know, I, I, so I, I, w- I would say that if you're really struggling and, and you're looking for some help right now, uh, you, you might take a look at, at feelinggood.com and, and uh, tune into some of the, the podcasts. You can get my book, Feeling Good, for under eight dollars uh, in paperback on on Amazon, and you can get it used on Amazon for like two or three dollars. And if you read read that book, you you've got a fifty sixty percent chance of, of and doing the written exercises recovering in four in four weeks. Or if a loved one uh, is struggling, give them the gift of of happiness. Or the new book, Feel, Feeling Great, it has. Uh, even more techniques than, than what are in feeling good represents the technology of the, of 1980, but it still is carrying people. And then the new one, feeling great, has has new techniques that we haven't talked about that can make really rapid recovery possible. That's amazing, and that's I mean I can tell you that we need more and more psychiatrists out there like yourself who are you know uh, dedicated to literally changing the paradigm i mean i, I say this because I, I, yeah. I hope that this 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 podcast just gets blown up by everybody who's 
you know, seen it today, they share it with a friend, they share it with another friend. But we have to really pay attention to, I know that, that you know, you just, you brought it up earlier about, you know, the political uh, and climate that this country is going to through right now. This is causing even more depression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even my wife, I mean, she, she's brilliant. She's a psychologist. She's been a picture of, of joy and strength. But even she is just feeling and sad for me to see, but just incredibly demoralized by what's going on in the country and the, the, the strife. It, it, it's, it's one of the most turbulent times ever. And, and I think, you know, some of that turbulence is caused by the individual who is then in themselves so depressed that they've glommed on to something to just jump aboard yeah. gives them that momentary like you know like a drink or like you know the, yeah a drug it gives them yeah. something that they can the yeah. ecstasy of violence take the focus off themselves yeah yeah and i can you know uh, judge others and look down on them and feel like i'm i'm, I'm right that 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 is uh, uh, that's like heroin too like like an opiate uh, anyway, that's a, for, for another day. We'll kinda... have you back for another day so we can talk about something like that. Dr. You know, Burns, I can't thank you enough for being a part of Free Thinking with Montel today. And, and I hope that people recognize, again, all they have to do is go up on feelinggood.com. You have free sessions, free classes, uh, and you can also uh, Google free, Feeling Good, the book by you know, Dr. Burns, and get a copy of it you know, via Amazon and get it used. And I think it may start opening up doors to a better you than the you that you think you're stuck with. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. As I say, I've been a fan for years and you've got millions of fans. And and the reason for that is is not just because of your brilliant mind to my way of thinking, but by your your heart, your genuineness, you're you're just a, a breath of of fresh air. And you just I, I, I wanna honor you and thank you. Yes, sir. Well, you know, you always have a home here anytime you want. When you get your app ready to go and, and that's fired up and ready to go, boom, my brother, I'll bring you on. And Fantastic. Thank you. And then again, over the next couple of weeks, I, I would love to just maybe we'll f- figure out a way maybe in three or four weeks to get you back just so people can get a little dose of Dr. Burns every now and then and know that there's hope out there. Hope That is- sounds fantastic. Okay, sir. Thank you so much. You have a great day. And thank you all for tuning in to Free Thinking with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Free Thinking with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear feedback, so please send us your comments.